Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We're happy to have Brother Ed Scott with us today, one of the overseers here at the meeting. We're going to turn the remainder of our meeting this morning over to him. Brother Ed, please. Since this uh, meeting is being recorded this morning, I will uh, say to those that might be listening later and to those who might be joining us by Zoom, I'll also say good morning. I look out on my audience this morning and I see several preachers. <laughs> and I know how preachers listen to other preachers. <laughs> they listen to every word. And so, I got to be careful this morning. <laughs> Lord, help me to uh, say what's right. <clears throat> My message this morning has two parts. I listed one part as uh, material freedom and the other part as spiritual freedom. The first part, I will focus on the sacrifices that have been made for the freedom that we as Americans enjoy. And the second part will be on the Sacrifice that was made for our spiritual freedom. On the first Sunday of this month, we celebrated our freedoms as Christians, as Americans, rather. <clears throat> if you were with us that morning, you recall that we did... Um, dwell on that somewhat. I will start this morning with a question. Does the name of Carter Braxton mean anything to you? I would be very surprised if it did. 245 years ago, on July the 4th, 1776, Carter Braxton's signature was on one of the most world-changing documents that has ever been written, the American Declaration of Independence. Thirteen independent British colonies banded together and threw down the gauntlet, you might say. It wasn't a white glove on the ground. It was a piece of paper thrown in the King of England's face, saying, give us liberty. We will have it. We will have it. We will take it. Carter Braxton was one of the 56 signers, 56 signers, 
most of, lo of whom have long been forgotten. The most rec recognized name on that document today is John Hancock. You're familiar with his signature concerning an insurance company. <clears throat> Signers John Adams and Thomas Jefferson would become presidents. The sons of two signers would become presidents. Oddly enough, George Washington was not a signer. While most signers have been forgotten, the proclamation they signed has not been forgotten. And if the principles it set forth were followed around the world today, we would have a much, much better world. It's not perfect, but the drafters had the, the, the worth and the value and the welfare and liberty of the individual citizen in mind when they drafted it. And more importantly, they looked to Almighty God to guide them. Listen to some of the wording. And part of this was in your, your bulletin uh, this month. <clears throat> when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the laws of God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. The document goes on to say, <clears throat> elaborate on the, the reasons for the need for a total break from England. And they close it with this pledge that I will read. And listen carefully to this pledge. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the goodness of our intentions do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are of a right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connections with them, between them and the state of Great Britain, is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they shall have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce 
and do all other acts and things which independent states may have a right to do. And for the support of this declaration, and listen carefully, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Sacred honor seemed to be highest in their minds. All political connections with and all allegiances to the King of England are totally dissolved. That is a radical declaration, is it not? They had no army. They had no navy. Radical indeed. What were they thinking? What in the world were they thinking? But this was not a bunch of rabble-rousers. Carter Claxton, for instance, was a very prosperous businessman who owned a fleet of ships for importing and exporting goods across the ocean and then distributing them up and down the coast to the colonies. Naturally, these ships quickly became prime targets of the British Navy. And they were either all captured or all sunk. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, they wrote. Yes, many paid with their fortunes. Some paid with having their homes destroyed, their businesses destroyed. And at least one member paid with his life in battle. What was the overriding principle that drove these men to commit themselves to such sacrifice? It was liberty. And there was freedom not just for themselves, not just for their generation, but for generations to come, for you, for me. Would to God that we had men and women of this caliber and conviction of our leaders today. Instead, we have a group of self-serving individuals that rise to power by hook or crook, without principle and without integrity. Listen to what President Thomas Jefferson wrote. God gave us life. God gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we are removed when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are the gift of God. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. We should tremble too. 
Do we have any leaders speaking like that today? What we have is a president in office right now who uses the most offensive gutter language before an open mic and then laughs about it. Is this the freedom that they declared for in 1776? 25,000 colonial citizens paid with their lives to secure that freedom from a corrupt king and the same number wounded, 25,000. But there was a problem associated with this great victory. The document was basically sound. There was a flaw in the minds of some of the signers. Some of them were slave owners. Some, not all, and that presented problems with getting some of them to sign it. All men are created equal except, except our slaves who have no standing, no status, no citizenship. They are considered merchandise. It took another war. 85 years later to secure their freedom. And again, at a terrible cost. 635,000 total dead, counting both sides. We cherish our freedoms, don't we? And we have entered into even greater wars with greater cost to preserve that freedom and to help secure freedom for oppressed people around the world. Now, I've taken this much time on American history because we need to understand and remember it as it really was. There are many people out there who are trying to rewrite it today to make our great country an evil thing in the eyes of the present or future generations. And this saddens me greatly. They dishonor the brave men and women who have served in our wars, some giving their very lives. And I say shame on them. The shame on these people who would rewrite history. Now, having said that, I leave the history now and come to the gospel. There's a freedom that is even more precious than the one which I've been speaking about. And it came at a great cost, too. And it's a spiritual freedom. This liberty... And freedom would require God to offer his beloved son as a substitute for our sin, dying on a cross forsaking his son as he bore our sins. 
spiritual freedom. It's possible. It's possible to be in slavery to this sin and still have uh, be, be in slavery of the evil men and still have this freedom. <clears throat> Man was created free. Adam and Eve had perfect freedom in the Garden of Eden in fellowship with God. But just like man is doing today, they, ab they abused their freedom. And through Adam's disobedience, sin entered into the world. The Apostle Paul gives us a condensed version of it in Romans chapter 5, <clears throat> where he writes, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, so that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Freedom was gone, replaced by death. Man became a slave to sin. No matter how hard he tried, he could no longer have uh, lived sinlessly in innocence. Fellowship with God was gone. And this same Paul, who thought himself to be free from sin under the law, and reasoned that he was doing God's will by persecuting Christians, writes this about his problem with sin. It's found in Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, that I find not. For the good that I would, do, I do not, but the evil that I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. This was the law that Paul recognized. Paul's supposed righteousness and freedom under the law was stripped away. He is spiritually naked and now sees himself as a slave to sin. And he had to admit, he had to admit that before he could know real freedom, he must obtain it God's way. God's way. Through his son, Jesus Christ, the very person who 
he had been persecuting. Persecuting. Listen to his profession. Or confession, I should say. For I delight in the law of God after this inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing into captivity slavery to the law of sin which is in my members. That is Paul recalling his decision, condition before he was converted. He has a conscience of what was right and wrong but he had no power to do it. He had no power to do it. And then, and then he, he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Who shall deliver me from this spiritual slavery? And then follows his confession, I thank God Deliverance is through Jesus Christ. Who shall deliver me from this slavery of sin? Jesus Christ, God's Son. It's through Him and Him alone that freedom from sin and condemnation can be found. Luke and his gospel makes it clear in chapter, or rather in, 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 yes, in Acts chapter 4. He, Christ is the stone which was set aside by the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. No other person. Christ alone. We have read Paul's confession. We have heard, uh, read rather Luke's proclamation. Now, listen to the Declaration of Independence for Freedom from Sin by the author himself. Jesus Christ. It's recorded in John chapter 8. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But they answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and we have never been in bondage to any man. How can you say we shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin, the bond slave of sin, and the servant does not abide in the house forever, but the son does abide forever. Therefore, 
If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed. Do you know, know what that means to me <clears throat> personally? And I'll tell you what it means to me. Under the covenant that God made with Moses, the sinner had to bring a blood sacrifice to the priest once a year to cover his sin. It covered his guilt for one year. Next year he must do it again, the same thing. And that's how it was under the law. But to be free indeed, man needed a better offering than the law provided. It's explained to us in Hebrews chapter 10. Here we learn that the law was just a shadow of good things to come, but just a shadow. And being a shadow, it has no substance. It could not make those who brought their sacrifices continually year after year perfect. It goes on to say, in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. The best that they could do was to cover it for one year. In the Old Testament, we find that God had no pleasure in those burnt offerings and sacrifices. And he's now replacing them by the sacrifice of his son. Harking back to um, Psalm 40 and quoting from Hebrews 10, He, the Son says, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Now we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all, those priests standing daily, ministering and offering over and over those, thing, those same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, but this man, after one offering, <clears throat> after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. End of quote. Perfected forever. Another way of saying free indeed. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Saved. Sealed. Sanctified. Pardoned, redeemed, all words associated with being free indeed. There's a song that we often sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed and so happy in Jesus, his child and forever I am. 
tree. The price that was paid was very high. I've already mentioned uh, just how high that price was. <clears throat> but free from the power of sin, free from the penalty of sin, and one day we who know him will be free from the very presence of sin. What about you? And to my listening audience, uh, anyone who may uh, listen to this recording later, what about you? Do you know him as your own personal savior? If you're not sure, his word to you is, come. Come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you freedom. I will give you peace. <clears throat> and furthermore, any who will come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. But, While Christ has written a declaration of independence for us, we have to accept it. We have to claim it for ourselves. And we can never know real freedom, and we can never know Him as we should. Trust me. Trust me, because I say this on the authority of God's Word. Let's pray. Well, loving God and Father, <clears throat> what a blessing is ours to be able to know with assurance a promise from your word and also experiences in our lives that uh, show us that it is true that you have given us a spiritual life in place of the dead that we were born with, the con condemnation that we were born with that's been removed. And we can go about, no matter what our earthly condition might be, persecuted, rejected, whatever, yet this freedom can never be taken away from us, this liberty that we enjoy, knowing that we are your children and under your protection. What a blessing. And we give you thanks for it again. In his worthy and precious name. Amen.